relatives and welcome to the Daughters of Tradition Native Tea Podcast by Her Wellness Institute. We are honored you have joined us. Our purpose in Daughters of Tradition is to train our daughters to be the leaders and healers of the next generation. My name is Ella and I will be your host for today's episode. My tribe is Bad River Menominee. I'm 13 years old and I'm host in the Daughters of Tradition. Thank you for joining us today. I'm sitting next to my co-host and would love to hand it over to her for an introduction. Hello, relatives. My name is Ella. I'm Menominee. I'm 14 years old and I'm a mentor. And I started when it was 2017 of Daughters of Tradition. We are so excited to be with all of you today. We have an exciting episode for you. Part of our mission for this podcast is to reach out to Indigenous women leaders in the community. This week, we're honored to chat with Ms. Cheryl Stevens, Oneida Nation Grants Officer Director and Oneida Youth Leadership Institute Executive Manager. So mental health is really important to me because before, like when I was, I'm still pretty young, but when I was younger, it wasn't really a big deal to me, but I had a lot of anxiety and it just got worse over the years. Well, me and my mom have been working on mental health for each other because we both have a very hard time with it. So we've been doing meditations, we've been listening to things, and just been trying to better ourselves. So I feel like this is really important that we're talking about this in Daughters of Tradition. My question is, how do you recognize when your body's under stress? So what do you do to respond to that stress? The way I can tell, uh, I work in a job that has a a lot of deadlines. Um, grant writing has strict, strict deadlines. You tend to get stressed out a little bit. So the way I can tell I'm getting stressed is I start getting a tension headache. My back tenses up. So what I do to uh, de-stress, I guess, is that I'll get away from my desk. I work a lot of, t- lot of hours at the desk typing. So I'll get up and walk around or go outside if it's nice out, you know, or just read a, a book or the snacks, just just to get away from that work I'm doing, just to kind of de-stress a little bit. Thank you so much. I feel like I can kind of relate to that because like, I feel like, like when my body's under stress, like my back is like super tight. So that's why I do massage therapy. Um, so, and I also like to take breaks because I feel like that's really good to take breaks when you're under stress. So thank you. I have a really good uh, supervisor too, who who's really stresses mental health as well as physical health. So you know, if he sees us out walking around, he knows that we're just kind of de-stressing. What is your definition of healing? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I live in a small community. I suppose anybody who lives in a reservation knows it's a small community and everybody knows each other. So it's kind of like everybody knows each other's business. And as much as you try to stay away from it, you know, I, you know, to yourself, one of the things is, is to understanding when healing is understanding you're not the only one that's going through that. I mean, your neighbor next door could be going through the same thing. And, and we tend to try to hide it and internalize it. You know, I, I did that for years and years. And that's unhealthy. One of the way that uh, I do things is, is talking. I learned to talk to people. Like I said, when I was young, growing up, I came from a traumatic um, household. My father was alcoholic and abusive to my mother, but he was still my, my father. You know, I still loved him very much. 
you know, even though that was going on. So that living through that kind of trauma, you know, and that's, that's hurt. Um, you have to learn how to heal the hurt that's inside you. Otherwise you take it with you and you put it off on other people in a way of being a bully, in a way of being um, mean or short or anything like that. Understanding what you're feeling, I guess, understanding where it's coming from, what's causing it. Um, in order to heal, you have to know what's causing that hurt that's in you, what's causing the triggers. Um, it could be a memory, it could be a song, it could be anything that brings up pain from a memory that you have. And so you have to understand what is causing that pain so that you can try to heal. You can talk to people, you can go to counseling. Um, one of the things um, I was, although my dad was, was an alcoholic and abusive, I was a daddy's girl. So he protected me from my siblings who were very mean to me growing up. And that was a trauma, you know, and when I was 11, he was killed in a car accident. And it just set my, my, my world spiraling. You know, I didn't know what to do. What I did, I shut down. I didn't talk to anybody. We didn't talk to anybody. I couldn't even cry. I think, you know, now that I realized what happened, I went into shock because I couldn't even cry at his funeral. And my auntie yelled at me for that, you know, so, and I even remember that hurt and that seemed to help me. I came out of my shock and then I start talking to my family again. I've learned to deal with it and I've healed. Since our next section is going to be about leadership and governance, that means a lot to me because my name is Nigani Gijigukwe, which means leading sky woman. So a lot of people nice. like leadership in me, like leading things. And I think it's really important to me because I feel like I have like a purpose in a sense. So the question is, what do you think it takes to run a country or a nation such as becoming a president or a tribal chairperson? I've always wanted to like know this. As I'm getting older, I kind of want to do more broader things and just get out there more. Well, what you're doing right now is a start. It's an excellent start. Getting out and talking to people. Learning how to talk to people uh, is, is one good thing. I, I've I flunked my freshman year in American history because I was too afraid to get up in the front and give my oral report. You have to, you have to do a report and you, then you have to read in front of class. And I was so shy that I, I would not go up. And so my teacher actually failed me in my class just for that. I went back the next year and, and I was able to do it. But the biggest step is being open and being able to, to talk back and forth to people. For one, it takes, for leadership like this, it also takes thick skin because you will be attacked. You will be ridiculed. You know I mean? Um, that's just part of the job in politics kind of, uh, is people not understanding your, your views, not agreeing with your views. And so they all attack you. So that's one of the things. Um, Growing up as a teenager, I'm sure you've even account, encountered some of that as you know with other people. So it also takes someone who's well versed in politic, politics and um, worldviews and knowing your history is a big key. Knowing your history so you can defend or just explain where we were at one time and where we are now. Uh, education is never going to hurt. What's your favorite? and do you feel good when you play sports? I play volleyball today. Like I said, I'm 62 years old and I still play in a women's league and we just took second place our last session. So it's really important to stay active. Um, 
that's one of my keys is um, being able to do what I do. I do a lot of different activities, um, but volleyball is my favorite one. I played it in high school and college. Wait, do you speak your language? No, I don't. I only know a few words and I know it's my responsibility to learn it because there's different apps that we have. There's different classes that we have and I need to make the time and I need to have the motivation to learn. A lot of my, my grandchildren know the language um, and my grandson who is 16 now was the youngest to pass um, his, I guess, testing in the United language when he was 10. I learned my language when I was really young and I went to Indian community school. I took um, uh, language classes and uh, I still remember them this day. So Wolf is Makwao in Menominee and Awasa is Bear in Menominee. And my little sister's middle name is Wasakanowet. That means flower. Nice. And uh, my middle name is Aikwa. That means morning sunshine woman. I was like really young. I was probably like three or four. Oh, I'm one of those. I'm in that, that age group where we lost our language because our grandparents went to the boarding schools and they were forced, you know, not to speak. And so when they became parents, they wouldn't teach their kids, my, my mother and father, they wouldn't teach their kids the language, punished for speaking a language. So my mother or my father didn't know the language. We've got classes now, so it's, it's coming back, which is nice. Great grandma um, went to boarding schools too. And she didn't, know how to love because she didn't know what love was because like she went to boarding school that's why yeah we see that a lot with with those mm -hmm. that age group okay when i was growing up i was born in 59 growing up to the 60s and 70s um my mother never said i love you ever that's, she could show it in a ways but she never did say she, she loved me my mom said she never said um i love you to anyone we have to learn how to say i love you i still have a hard time you know i, I but i say it to my grandkids all the time all the time thank you for um telling us about your language uh, i just wanted to circle back to the leadership and governance since we were kind of talking more about three but um do you see yourself become becoming a president or a tribal chairperson no, I don't. Uh, and not because I can't. Um, it's more like, I guess, with my age, um, being 62, I'm close to retirement. So I look forward to retiring. I can be a leader in the community. I can be a mentor. Um, uh, currently, my son is the vice chair of our tribe, of our nation. He's been in that position for, I think, 12 years. She's been on the council for, I think, going on 17 years when he was pretty young. So he's been in within our, our leadership for quite a few years. Uh, my other son was on a council for a while as well. 
Um, my husband is in the leadership role for the National Indian Gaming Association, but myself, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of strength to be in those those leadership positions. And although I know I have the strength, I can be a leadership in my family. <laughs> I can be a leader in my family. Yeah, it, it takes a certain kind of a strength to be a leader for our country or for our tribe. Thank you very much. I like how you explained that. Like, I know some people that are very, like, I could see them like being a leader or something like having leadership or governments, but they don't really feel like they really want to do that with their life, which that's completely fine because they can do other things to language. Um, for me, it's kind of hard because, well, my grandma, she is really the only person that knows and my mom kind of knows um, our language and she's usually busy. So it's kind of hard. And she also has to take care um, of her husband, my, my grandpa. We also have to take care of him since he has dementia. So it's hard at times, but he, she has taught me some things and I've been at reservations before and I've heard them like speak mm -hmm. and like a speech or anything. So I remember some words, but, um, and I also go to a public school. They don't have those things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard and they don't teach um, much about native American culture. So do you know any words that mean peace, healing, or wellness in your language? Skanago means peace to you. Skanagoga means I am at peace. Skanalonkwa means I love you. Thank you. Um, I feel like for me, I always try to know more about my language as best as I can in my own way. Like my mom and like my grandma and that side of the family, we celebrate our culture and we also try to use it in our daily lives. And on my dad and my dad's side of the family, they're Christian. Like sometimes we go to church and stuff like that. So it's it's interesting to see um, two very different cultures. Yep. I'm kind of happy that I get to experience, you know, instead of one. I mean, that's completely fine. I'm just saying like, I'm very thankful that I get to and I get to see like the differences and they're good in their own ways. Yeah, and it's basically to each their own. Uh, I was raised in a Methodist church until my father passed away. And then our mother moved us to the Episcopal church. So then I was baptized in the Episcopal, but I went to Methodist church classes, I guess, or catechism. I don't know what it was. But now I'm longhouse. So I am traditional longhouse with the Oneida Nation. So it's kind of a did a full circle kind of thing. And I have a question. Do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Because I don't, so I'm just asking. We do, but we do it. Um, uh, my, my husband wears all black and we try to wear black. We, we, we do have a family meal. We get together and we pray for all those, our ancestors. And that's what we do in, in, in their struggles and their healings and in, today our family so it's more about thanksgiving for our family versus thanksgiving Mama, like i have another question like what do you call thanksgiving we call it giving thanks kind of like the same thing giving thanks and that's what we do that's we just give thanks for everything that we've we've been through everything that we've all the 
lessons we've learned, you know, our family and, you know, and we pray for, like I said, we pray for all the, the past generations. How we celebrate Thanksgiving is just like um, having fun. Yep, we celebrate, you know, um, not every family celebrates the same, you know, so mm -hmm. you do your thing with what makes you feel good in your heart. So that's what we do. We have a good meal. We have, uh, we have traditional food as well as the turkey, you know, but we also have, uh, um, we play games. So it's more like a, a family togetherness. Are there any words in your language that hold a special place in your heart? And why? Well, since I don't know many words, I think it would be kind of interesting to hear from you. Wase Nunslio, which means good basket. I repeat my, my Indian name and asking that, you know, spirits look, look over me and my family that, you know, our prayers are not answered, but that our prayers are heard. Gunalunkwa, I use that. That means I love you. Nugiwa, which means bye. My husband's grandmother was one of the last speaking, first language speaking um, elders that passed away. She passed away at 103 years old and she could speak flu fluent. Oneida was her first language. So she titled that lot of her language to our grandkids. And so today they use a lot of that, they use those words. Not a whole lot of words that we use a lot, you know, as much as we should. Yeah, I like that just simple words that we might use in our daily lives yep. um, mean a lot. For our final last question, um, do you have any final words or comments for our Native youth? And how can we possibly impact the next generation? Keep talking to people. One of the biggest things that I always stress, you know, with kids seem to have a lot of issues is that understanding you're not the only one. You're, you're not alone. And, and to understand that, really understand that you're not alone. There are others that go through the th same things that you do, that go through the same feelings. Um, like I said, I have 17 grandkids from the ages of two to 22. Um, so I have all the ages in there. I have, there's two and three and four and five, uh, eight, you know, there's like three 13 year olds. 12 year old there's two 16 year olds 17 year olds all the ages are cut and then watching them going through their different stages keep talking to them and when you see somebody when you see somebody that may be hurting or maybe upset or maybe even mean sometimes that meanness is just pain coming out and it comes out that way so maybe befriending them or talking to somebody not to be judgmental to others, no matter what, you know, what they look like. Sometimes you look at somebody and they have, you know, old clothes or something and maybe befriend them, you know, just to be open and sharing your, your, your challenges, sharing your ideas and never let somebody put you down. I always speak up, you know, and maybe not in a negative way, just say, you know, I don't appreciate that. I, I, you know, stuff, stuff like that. It's, it's really hard being a teenager. Believe me, I've been through that. And then watching my grandkids and my kids go through everything, you know, so, but I found out that finding someone to confide in is, is really helpful. Thank you very much. Um, some things that you talked about, like some of my values in life, you also kind of said like, um, always like being there for other people, 
feel like that's really a big thing of being thoughtful and being kind to one another because especially in school that can even though it's easy to say um a lot of kids don't do it and I've been bullied a lot before so yeah yeah it's it's hard but especially when you're bullied it can really affect your self-esteem especially when you have to go there five days a week even though you don't want to and you have to see the same people and they bully you every single day and it it can hurt you very much but you have to stand up for yourself which was very hard for me in grade school because I was just really afraid and even though the teacher said oh just stand up for yourself it wasn't easy because they would just turn you down right away but over time I don't let them get inside my head yeah it's not as easy as you know you they think it is just just let it roll off the back of your, you know, like a turtle's back, you know, and I, I sometimes envisioning it as well. Um, okay. I'm a turtle plant. So I use a turtle as, as example, you know, when I, when someone shoots, I call them arrows, you know, or snakes, something bad, something that's going to hurt you to shoot you at it. You just, you put up your, your blockade and, and you let it roll off the back, you know, and it's not easy to do. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. And sometimes, even if you confront it, even if you, you know, tell them how you feel, it's, it might get worse or they'll never stop. There's just some people, it makes them feel powerful or makes them feel stronger if they hurt somebody else. And one of the things I've always learned is, is the saying that someone who is hurt hurts people. So someone who has been hurt or is hurting turns that hurt out into a negative way into some, onto somebody else. So they act that way because they're hurting. Understand that, okay, maybe they had a, you know, maybe they got yelled at by their parents or maybe they got, you know, this and that. And so they take it out on the next person they see or somebody else at school, you know, or someone who's less you know, who they feel is, is less st- stronger than them, but actually that person is probably stronger than them because they can take all that, you know? So if you're able to take that, just understand that, that you are strong, you know, and that you can't handle that, you know, and yeah, it's going to hurt, but then you deal with it. You, you process it in the way is understanding, okay, well, maybe that person is hurting. Maybe something happened to them that they internalize that, that pain and they just dish it out to everybody or anybody. And that's really hard to do when, when they just keep doing it. You know, it's really hard to understand their pain, but understanding that someone who hurts someone through words, actions, whatever it is, is probably hurt or has been hurt themselves. Yeah, I agree with that. Cause, um, well, there's a couple of people that are bullying me, but really my whole friend group was, kind of bullying me in grade school so it was just hard because I would really cry every day there they were pretty mean so um it was hard to also do school because I would get distracted because they it would just affect me all day because all that negativity that was put on me I didn't know how to deal with that and I've told teachers it only made it worse I mean I mean, yeah. the teachers that stopped, they didn't stop. And it, it was just every day constantly saying something negative about me and always bullying me about yeah. something. So it was hard, but 
yeah, one of my friends, they had a issue at home. So we've kind of dealt with that. Well, I've, I've tried to help her because mm-hmm. I understood why she was bullying me, which is it's still not right. But no, a lot of them had issues at home. So that was why. And now I'm best friends with one of them. So that's good. And sometimes they, they don't know why. They don't know why they do that. But and it's all it's usually some kind of trauma or hurt that they dealt with. I was the opposite growing up. I love to go to school because I got away from my my familyhood. My like I mentioned before, I was my daddy's baby, so the rest of my siblings, you know, were mean and bullied me. So I got the bullying at home constantly. You know, I got the mean the mean um, uh, comments, the hurtful comments. I've got physically abused by them. So when I went to school, it was getting away from them, you know. Um, so that, and that was a little bit harder to, to to deal with because I'm living in the same household as my bullies on a constant basis. And then like at 11, when my dad that passed away, because I would do the same thing. I would run and go tell him. And so he'd spank them or yell at them or they get in trouble. So then it just got worse. So the more I told them, the, the meaner they got to me and it just kind of spiraled out. Then when he passed away, then it was basically they said, you got nobody to protect you anymore. You know, so then I felt really alone. So that's, that's, I think, when I kind of start internalizing things and kept everything inside and, but comes, come to realize, you know, there's a lot of kids my age that were going through the same things I was going through. And I just didn't know that, you know, so understanding everybody's pain is one of the biggest things you can do. And I got bullied as well. And I, I know how um, um, Ella feels too. I was, I was so scared to stick up for myself too. As you grow older, you start understanding more and more about why they did that. And it's not going to stop. You know, I'm not going to say it's going to stop as you get older. Um, there's still people, adults, you know, who may be jealous or just don't like you, you know, so they, they talk about you and you're going to find, you're going to run into that here and there. So, and the thing is just what I do with those people is um, I just keep myself away from them as much as possible. So I know like in school, it's not easy, but like in my life, if there's an adult or something who is just negative constantly or says things, talks about me, whatever, I stay away from them. I just, I don't associate with them. And that's my way of healing too, because why would I put myself through that pain every day? You know, just, I pull myself away. Did you ever hear about your hair is sacred? Yeah, I always take care of your hair. Um, When I clean out my brush, I wrap it so it's not like open. Our grandson, and he had long hair and he wanted to cut it. Um, because his mom, his mom and dad, you know, they, they, they're really talkative and they, they know everything's that's going on and stuff. And he felt bad about children that were found in these schools. The children are being found, bodies are being found, I guess, grave sites. So he felt sad for them. So he wanted to cut his hair. So they made a bunch of uh, um, tobacco ties and he put his braid and he put it out in the, the woods behind our Norbert Hill Center where there's other graves of kids. And they had a little ceremony for that. So we're gonna be wrapping up. 
Um, but I just want to ask one last question. I was just wondering if you've been to Washington, D.C., or if you have any advice or suggestions on where to visit in Washington, D.C. I have been there twice, and it was for the inauguration, uh, both inaugurations of President Obama. And those are the only times I went there. I would visit the Indian Museum, for one. I think it's a veteran's grave, you know, because I know there's got to be a lot of natives that are in that those graves that have, they're, they're all veterans that died in the war, you know, so I would like to go. I haven't gone there. Just put to, some tobacco down. Other than that, I really didn't do a lot of visiting any other places other than just participate in the inauguration. Thank you so much. Yeah, especially when it comes to Veterans Day. Um, we usually go to veterans on gravesite and we smudge and we really take time to really recognize that they fought for our country to talk about it and um, practice, celebrate it. Yep. Thank you so much. We're going to be wrapping up and I'm just really thankful that you got to be here with us on this podcast and you got to share your own experiences and your own words on these really important um, topics that we have brought up and asked you. So thank you so much. Thank you.